Welcome to PEM Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Soboleski. Today's episode is injury prevention and advocacy themed, and it focuses on gun safety and practical screening tips that you can do in the emergency department and outpatient settings. It features two of our pediatric residents, Kit Carney and Kristen Humphreys, who recorded this episode in my office in April of 2023. Take it away, Kit. Hello, I'm Dr. Carney, and I'm a pediatric resident at Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center. I'm here with my co-resident, Dr. Humphrey. Today, we are going to discuss firearm safety and ways to screen for it in both the ED and clinic settings. The goals of this episode are to report updated statistics about pediatric firearm-related injuries and deaths in the U.S., discuss and review the updated American Academy of Pediatrics recommendations on firearm safety, discuss updated strategies for counseling your patients and families on firearm safety, and talk about how we can support patients and families who are victims of gun violence. Kristen, why don't you start out by telling us about some of the recent statistics on firearm injuries in the United States? Firearms are now the leading cause of death among children 0 to 19 years old in the United States. While gun violence is a global issue, the United States houses a disproportionate amount of these gun violence instances. While the United States accounts for just 4% of the world's population, it accounts for 35% of firearm suicides and 9% of firearm homicides. Each year, 3,200 children die from firearm-related injuries. This means that a child dies from a firearm every two hours and 45 minutes. Unfortunately, this number has continued to rise as gun sales have soared. From 2019 to 2020, the rate of firearm-related deaths among children increased by 30%. When we look more closely at these numbers, we note that prominent racial disparities exist regarding firearm injury as well. Black children and teens are four times more likely than their white peers to die by firearms. These firearm-related fatalities among children are due not only to homicide or accident, but also to suicide. Firearms account for the greatest number of suicide deaths. Guns are by far the greatest risk for completed suicide because they're so lethal. Guns have 90% mortality rate when used for suicide. Unfortunately, the the weapons used in these suicides, as well as in school shootings and unintentional homicides, 70 to 90% of them came from unsecured weapons at a child's home. Research demonstrates that fewer than half of all gun owners store their firearms safely and that many children have access to these guns. Of the estimated 4.6 million children in the U.S. who live with at least one unsecured firearm in their home, 75% of those know where guns are stored in their home, and 22% of them have handled guns without their caregiver's knowledge. Kit, are there any recommendations for best practices for safe storage of firearms? To help address these harrowing statistics, the American Academy of Pediatrics has released updated recommendations concerning safe firearm storage practices. The most effective measure caregivers can take to prevent firearm-related injuries is to remove them from the home. For those families who do have guns in the home, these firearms should be unloaded and locked, with ammunition stored and locked separately. Cable locks, trigger locks, and lock boxes are all safe ways to store firearms. A cable lock is a looped wire that works similarly to a bike lock. This mechanism allows you to loop one end of the wire through the handgun to prevent the gun from being fired or loaded and then connect that end of the wire to the lock at the end of the loop. You can purchase these for about $10 at local retailers. A trigger lock is a two-piece mechanism. The two pieces fit over the trigger guard so that the gun's trigger cannot be released and allow the gun to fire. These trigger locks come with either a key and a lock. 
a keypad, or a combination lock. One can purchase these for about $10 as well. Finally, a gun lock box is a combination protected box that is similar to a safe, but is small enough to house just a gun. You can purchase these for about $25 to $100. Studies demonstrate that utilizing one of these storage methods can reduce the suicide and unintentional gun deaths in children by up to 54%. Thank you, Kit. Kristen, this one's for you. And I know it's a difficult issue to talk about given the current political climate, but how should we actually talk to patients and families about firearm safety? In our current environment, it can feel overwhelming as a healthcare provider to discuss firearms. The encouraging news is that the majority of parents report that they would feel comfortable discussing firearm safety with their pediatrician. Non-judgmental communication is key to this conversation. Healthcare providers need to be aware of and manage their biases concerning this topic, and that starts by ensuring that we ask all families about it. Firearm safety can be discussed in any setting, but ideally it is, a, it is a preventative rather than reactionary conversation. It helps to first frame this conversation as one about safety, perhaps in the context of discussing car seats, water safety, or bike helmets, because optimizing a patient's safety is often a common goal of both parents and healthcare providers. For example, you might say, I like to talk about firearm safety with all of my patients because we know firearms can pose a safety risk to children. Research has shown that the safest way to store firearms is to store them locked, unloaded, and separately from ammunition. While the AAP continues to emphasize that the most effective measure to prevent firearm-related injuries is their absence in the home, new studies demonstrate that families respond best to a normative statement when you're talking with them. This means that the clinician normalizes that many people have firearms in their home. An example of a normative statement could be, for any firearms that are in your home or other homes your child may visit, are they stored locked and unloaded? Asking about both their home and other homes they visit allows families to talk about this subject without having to disclose a gun in their own house if they don't want to. After asking this question, you can also ask if families would like to hear more information about safe storage practices, such as cable locks and lock boxes. When discussing firearms, it is important to keep the, in mind the age of the patient. So for example, in younger children, ages one to nine, firearm injuries are typically related to unintentional injury, as children as young as two to three are able to pull a trigger. However, in adolescents, ages 10 to 19, nearly 97% of firearm injuries are related to intentional homicide or suicide. In this patient population, especially if there are significant mental health concerns, discussion about removing firearms from the home temporarily and voluntarily may help promote this patient's safety. It is important that both the adolescent and the parent be engaged in these discussions, as adolescents are prone to more impulsivity and need to understand the dangers for themselves, as they are able to get access even without a caregiver's knowledge. To help caregivers keep their adolescents and younger children safe, I often refer families to the Ask or Asking Saves Kids campaign to provide them with the tools to ask their children about the presence of firearms in both new and familiar circumstances. These new circumstances can include a new babysitting job, a new roommate, or a new playmate. The Be Smart campaign is another excellent source for both parents and healthcare providers for modeling firearm safety conversations. S stands for secure all guns in the home and vehicles. M stands for model responsible behavior around guns. A stands for ask about presence of unsecured firearms in other locations. R stands for recognize the role of guns in suicide. And T stands for tell peers to be smart. 
check out the references section of this PEM Currents episode for links to the Ask and Be Smart websites, as well as for other links for learning how to talk to children about gun violence. Thank you both for those practical tips on talking to patients and families. What do we offer families who have unfortunately already experienced gun violence in their own homes or communities? Because those impacted by gun violence often experience trauma and are at higher risk for suicide, we as healthcare providers need to ensure that families get early access to mental health support. National support groups for families and patients who've experienced gun violence include Trauma Survivors Network, Survivors Empowered, and the Gun Violence Survivors Foundation. There are also local survivors groups through Cincinnati's chapter of Moms Demand Action in every town. As we bring this episode to a close, Kit and then Kristen, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share? Let's review what we talked about today. Gun sales and violence have increased since 2020, and firearms are now the leading cause of death for those aged 0 to 19. While younger children are more likely to become injured secondary to unintentional use, adolescents are more likely to become injured due to intentional homicide or suicide attempts. Many caregivers are open to discussing firearm safety with their healthcare provider in the context of other anticipatory guidance. The American Academy of Pediatrics states that discussing with all families that firearms should be unloaded and locked with locked ammunition stored separately would significantly decrease the rate of firearm-related injury among children. Victims of firearm-related injury in their families are at higher risk for mental health crises. Providing them with support is essential to ensuring their ongoing well-being. If you are interested in becoming involved at a legislative level, Moms Demand Action is a national organization that provides information for local, state, and national advocacy around gun safety. Well, that's it for this episode. I'd like to offer a special thanks to Dr. Kristen Humphrey and Dr. Kit Carney, pediatric residents at Cincinnati Children's, who did the research and prepared this podcast episode. Hopefully they offered practical tips that will help you meet patients and families where they're at on the issue of gun violence and gun safety. For more resources, check out the show notes, including a complete transcript of this episode. If you have any feedback on this episode, you can leave a comment on the blog, a direct message on Twitter, leave a review on your favorite podcast site, or send me an email. Learning how to talk to patients and families about difficult issues is one of the most important things that we can do, and I hope that you all found this episode helpful. For PEM Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast, this has been Brad Soboleski. See you next time.